Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, 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 welcome to Happy Hour Radio. It's 6 o'clock here in the Puget Sound region, and you're on Happy Hour Radio. So glad you're tuning in to our brand new time at 6 p.m. Saturdays right here on 570 KVI. It is March, and that means it's Washington Wine Month. And I'm very excited to, uh, well, to know that March is Taste Washington. And at the end of this month, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, March 26th through the 29th, we have Taste Washington at TasteWashington.com. Org. You can come and visit 200 wineries, cideries, great food, and, uh, well, meet all the people that make up this fantastic industry. Uh, there's an event on Thursday uh, down at uh, El Gaucho's Aqua Restaurant on the water. And then there's another party at the Four Seasons in Seattle. It's a Friday night. It's called The New Vintage. The New Vintage, which features great wine, food, and some DJs. And, uh, of course, uh, Saturday and Sunday is the grand tasting. But celebrating Washington Wine month this March, I'm pleased to have Justin Wiley coming up on the show. He is the owner, founder, fourth generation Walla Walla person family, um, and we're going to chat with Justin Wiley right now in our In the Vineyard series. So here we go. Justin, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. So tell me about the Wiley family. Fourth generation means something here uh, in the corner of Washington State. Tell me about uh, your family's roots. Well, we have two family that actually came together in Walla Walla. Uh, the Wiley family from my father uh, came from the uh, granite business um, who in 1912 my great-grandfather started uh, Wiley Monuments in Walla Walla and we provide cemetery memorials and uh, signage um, for different businesses around the Northwest and on my mom's side of the family came the Buckley family so the Buckley family were um, uh, started in the Tushi area and they were uh, they homesteaded and their primary focus was um, wheat and asparagus and as as my my mom and dad met um got married and those two businesses grew in walla walla and over the years those businesses still exist today and i've had the opportunity to branch off and start my own vineyard uh, called vapiano and eventually launch our wine brand so uh, let's talk about the wine industry and uh, you grew up here in walla walla tell me about your first appreciation of wine and um, how you kind of i mean you don't just start a vineyard how did you get involved well i actually lived grew up on school avenue which is right down the street from lean eddie cellars and for years people would drive by our house um, and they would get lost and they would ask for directions like where do you get to lean eddie i'm like it's i think it's up the street somewhere uh, but I would kind of get them in the right direction. Sure enough, they'd come back down the hill and I'd ask again, and I, I really never knew. Um, so that was, I look back when I was, you know, 10 years old, um, of all the people asking for directions to Lean Eddie Sellers. Um, as I graduated from Gonzaga um, in, in Spokane, Washington, I went to Wahai here in Walla Walla, then I went to Gonzaga. In my senior year, I had the opportunity to study abroad in Florence, Italy. And in Florence is where I had the first taste of, of wine. And not only was the wine really fascinating, but also just in general the culture and just the pace of the culture, how slow it was, and just how much fun 
food, wine, and friends and family were really important to the Italian culture. So coming home, I really didn't want to leave what I had in Italy. It was an absolutely phenomenal year. And coming home to, to Walla Walla, I took those roots of, uh, of land from the family and put all of those, the business side of it, the marketing side of it together to go out and plant my vineyard. So when I first started, the vineyard was the primary focus. And we started with a 20-acre uh, parcel. And what year is this? Tell us about when were you in Italy in, in Firenze, and when did you come back to start this new dream? So well, I went to Italy in 1995-96, and then for a full year. And then when I came home um, in 1999, I had the opportunity to buy this piece of land on the south end of Walla Walla. And at the time, there was only Pepperbridge Vineyard, and Rich Funk over at Savaya was just starting to build his first little building. So there wasn't really much going on on the south end of town. Um, our road on J.B. George Road uh, was actually an old gravel farm road. And uh, my neighbor approached me and says, hey, we're going to buy you know, 30 acres. I don't need all of it. Would you be interested in, in planting? So Pepperbridge Vineyards had had success on their property on the other side of the street. So I thought, well, we'll plant vineyards because the end goal at the time was to build a home. So let's plant, what crop are people starting to plant that maybe we could plant, make enough, regenerate enough revenue to pay for the land and someday build a home. But as the vineyards were planted, I started making wine in my garage in 1998 and just fell in love with the whole, the whole culture again in my little town. And as the vineyards matured, uh, we, I sold fruit for several years, and then eventually um, we started our own brand in, in 2003. So interesting. So you're in Italy, and you, this is, you claimed that this is your first taste of wine. I'm sure you had a taste of beer prior to that. <laughs> beer and beer was the main focus prior to Italy, but upon returning, the the, the wine, the grapes, everything was very intriguing and, and fascinating. So and it's interesting that you also say Italy that you found this slow food movement. You know, taking your time to enjoy life but you know i think of italy i think of fast cars and fashion and all that but um it, it's very cool so the idea that the name va piano is that what you started off in 1999 so when i came back from italy um we bought our land and we're ready to plant but i need to come up with a name um so from the marketing background i wanted a name right up front from the beginning and we actually put a sign out on the road prior to even having the vines even in the ground so here was a va piano vineyards a sign, granite sign uh and there was wasn't anything in the field. It was just a blank field. So I had a lot of people would say, what, what are you going to do? What are you, I mean, you going to plant there? So later on, we added vineyards. So for a while, it was just Vapiano. But uh, we planted and um, we bought the land in 99. We started to cultivate the land and actually 2000 is when the vines went in the ground. Um, we planted Cabernet, Merlot, Syrah, Cab Franc, and a little bit of Petit Verdot. Kind of just rounded portfolio of different grapes, not knowing what we were going to be making wine out. That's interesting too because you just spent a bunch of time in Italy and I don't think many of those grapes grow in Italy and yet you've no. come back and um, plant French varieties. Well I think the goal was what is our site best suited for and it wasn't Sangiovese so I wanted to make sure if I was going to be selling grapes I want to make sure I was growing something that was sellable as well. Uh, we sold grapes for five years. We still sell a little bit today um, to Slide a Hand and La Cole Winery. And the remainder of it we keep for our own estate program. 
Very cool. So I have the pleasure of speaking with Justin Wiley, fourth generation Walla Walla family, uh, part of the uh, Wiley and Buckley clans, right? You're you're the uh, uh, product of two great families. So the um, granite monument outside, did you just take that from Wiley's monuments or did you actually, was this sort of a bestowed, bequeathed gift from the family to get you started? No, I went out uh, in our granite scrapyard and, and found a really cool piece of stone and sand, carved it, sandblasted Vapiano in it. And that was the original sign that uh, has since been removed. Now we have a big stone wall out in the front entrance. And within that wall is this granite plaque. And, and a lot of times in Italy you'd see these cool stucco old walls and they'd recess this granite plaque. So I want to have that old world look to it. So uh, when you leave, you'll have to check out that. <laughs> so here we are um, in the south end of Walla Walla, and we're on a 20-acre lot, and um, it's all vines around. And, of course, we just toured the, the beautiful uh, feature, which will be part of the garden, amphitheater, movie uh, theater, outdoor theater uh, place. We, so you have how many acres under vine here? Right now there's uh, 13.5 acres under vine, but this spring we have a, um, a small project. We're going to be planting two more acres of viognier. And I think Cab Franc does just beautifully in our area, so we're going to add another acre of Cab Franc. That's exciting. So you had an idea of, of planting vines. That sounds like the easy part. Well, making wine, and you, you stated that you made some wine in your basement for a bit, but where did you really learn to craft, hone your craft? I, I'm very proud to say I'm, I'm self-taught with some really great mentors around me. Um, I try to surround myself with people who knew a heck of a lot more than I did for the first 10 years, and I still do that today. Um, but I made wine in my garage for six years, and I was able to uh, secure some really great vineyards. Um, in the very beginning, I used my Louis Syrah. I had some Seven Hills fruit, um, and I used those vines or that fruit to kind of make run some experiments. I had up to four barrels in my garage every year, and just playing around with the different vineyards, I still use those that same fruit today, um, which is really, really cool to see after after almost 16, 17, almost 18 years now. So that's where I focused on making wine in the garage. And then from there, I had the opportunity to go to UC Davis and take all their extension courses. So I took every class I could at UC Davis on these three-day crash courses. I'd fly down on a Thursday, have class Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come home. So I did about four or five of those series, and that really helped give me a basic knowledge of chemistry and, and the understanding of, of wine biology. <laughs> did you learn anything? Did something change you? Uh, did you realize you were doing it right the whole time, or it might have you been uh, you learned a couple new tricks? I learned a couple new tricks, and a lot of the tricks I learned were from my mistakes. <laughs> so I took those mistakes and really researched uh, what went wrong, whether it was a stuck fermentation or... Just whatever happened, I always had a problem, and I always learned how to, to fix the problem by just researching it or reaching out to UC Davis and asking them. But at the time, uh, Jean-Francois from Pepper Bridge is one of my very close friends, and he really was a great mentor, not only in the vineyard, um, from pruning to vineyard management, but also, too, when I had a wine question, I could always rely on him to, hey, come over and taste this, check this out. And that was a really great great to have a neighbor like that that I could rely on to go to for some technical advice. That's excellent and uh, we know Jean-Francois Pelle very well and we're, we're proud of his work. As, um, and so let's talk about when were you bonded and what number was your bond in Washington State? My bond, I was bonded in 2003. I was a bonded winery 
And I want to say in Walla Walla, we were in that 50 to 60 winery range. So I'll say it's the third the third tier, the third section of growth that we saw in Walla Walla. Very good. And so um, how many wines are you making today in 2014? How many wines did you produce? Well, in 2014, we made right around 7,000 cases of wine. And the primary focus of of our wine program today is, is focusing on Cabernet. We love to make Syrah. We make some vineyard designate Syrahs under our Black Label uh, series. But our primary focus going forward is really going to be Cabernet. And not only Cabernet from Walla Walla, but also utilizing uh, several vineyards around Washington State, including Clipson Vineyard, De Brule Vineyard, uh, the Porteous Old Block. Uh, I have Boucher Old Block as well. And working with those sites to make create blends from the Columbia Valley, but primarily Cabernet dominant. So you'll have four or five single vineyard Cabernet Sauvignon from... Well, the plan is right, right now we have an Estate Cabernet, which comes from the Vapiano property here. Uh, we have a De Brule um, Vineyard Designate Cabernet under the Black Label series. We hope, we think this year is our first year working with Boucher Vineyard, Old Block Cab, and we think this will be a Black Label wine as well. Um, and then we have our um, Columbia Valley Cab. Well, how many tiers, you talk about Black Label, how many tiers of wine do you have? Well, I, I, you can look at them as tiers, but I look at them as, as philosophies. We have our... We have our Ox wine, um, which is a, a Cabernet-based blend. It's a new wine this year for us. Uh, Vapiano means go slowly, and with that is our mark of this warrior on an ox, and ox goes slowly. So we have this strong name of ox is to, to brand our, our, our new wine, and that is a Cabernet wine. Uh, then from there, we go to our Columbia Valley Cabernet, which is a blend of four or five different uh, properties around Washington. And that is really meant to represent Washington State. And then our Black Label wines are all about a, a single varietal from a single property. And in order for them to make the cut, it's all blind tasting. We select barrels and we take those barrels to create this, this final, final blend under this uh, Black Label series. And then we have our estate wines. And the estate wines are really meant to reflect our estate that we own, that we manage, that we grow here at Bapiano. Wow, that's pretty exciting. And um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about uh, your selection of wines that you produce and also something about Father Bruno. I know that uh, for anyone who's seen some of the Vapiano labels out there, Bruno's blend is quite popular, and it's uh, an ode to your roots at Gonzaga. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. We are in the vineyard here in Walla Walla, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Justin Wiley, the uh, founder, owner, winemaker for Va piano here in the south end of Walla Walla. So Justin, talk to me about um, your wines. We talked about a black label, your single vineyard, Cabernet Sauvignons, you've got the Columbia Valley uh, selections, and uh, tell me about some of the whites and uh, rosés you've got produced. The past couple years, we've really were um, really enjoyed Washington State Sauvignon Blanc, and we started for this about a third vintage in the Sauvignon Blanc, and it has really been a successful program. It's grown a lot. We've worked with some different vineyards around Washington. Unfortunately, none of them are in Walla Walla, but we've really searched out some of the cooler sites um, 
that grow some beautiful Sauvignon Blanc, and the program has grown to um, up to a thousand cases now. So uh, we've gone from stylistically being 100% tang fermented Sauvignon Blanc to start incorporating some barrel, some third fill um, older barrels, incorporating that to this year we did some barrel fermentation. So we're slowly kind of learning about the program and, and getting feedback from our consumers and also just learning about Sauvignon Blanc and, and the direction we want to take it. Interesting. So the white wine program, the Sauvignon Blanc, and it's 100% Sauvignon Blanc? 100% Sauvignon Blanc um, from two different properties in Washington. And we're going to stick with those and see where the program goes. I think that's pretty neat because it's uh, it, there's a certain a crispness and freshness to fruit, a purity when you go stainless steel. But when you start adding a little bit of uh, neutral barrel, you get some great texture and some richness that sort of happens with uh, the, the barrel aging. Is that true? Yes, very true. And that's, I think that's what it is. Through our experiments and trials, we learned that this was definitely uh, the direction we want to go. But we didn't want to take the needle too far too soon. So we kind of slowly did experiments and slowly started to feel more comfortable and, and changing it. So the 2014 vintage will be the first one that has, um, I won't say considerably more oak influence, but it's you'll see it more in the mouthfeel and, and it'll be more present in the wine. Excellent. Well, I, I certainly enjoy white Bordeaux and uh, also some uh, Didier Dagonot wines, which is pretty famous for Sauvignon Blanc. Now, uh, we've, we can both talk about the wine market and how it's matured and not matured and it's always developing and changing um, with the rise and fall of Merlot and Merlot's coming back, but uh, I think we both can honestly say that pink wine is uh, really starting to reach a, uh, well, a, a rosy, <laughs> rosy Rosé place in the marketplace. Tell me about a rosé program for you. Um, last year, 2013, was our first year for rosé. I really wanted to make 100% Cab Franc rosé. Um, so the first year, we had the opportunity to work with a very old, old vineyard over in Prosser, uh, one of Desen, uh, Dennis Pleasant's vineyards. Um, the vines are 30 plus years old. Um, it was that was our first year. We made 75 cases. It was a great success. Sold it all in our tasting room, and it was really, really a fun project. That was all. Um, half of that was tank fermented. Half of it was uh, aged in, uh, in or barrel fermented in neutral neutral barrels. Um, 75 cases. It was really fun to make. Then this year, 2014, we got a little more serious. Um, and unfortunately, that vineyard had a little bit of a frost issue, so we had to move to another vineyard called um, uh, Art Denhode's Vineyard, and we were able to um, purchase about four tons of, of uh, Cap Franc, and we treated that a little bit different this year. We went 100% tank fermented, and nothing was fermented in barrel, but we did a very long and cool fermentation. So actually, we just bottled this wine a week ago, and it finished fermentation about three weeks ago. So it really took this long, long, we fermented it in a, um, in a stainless steel tank that was temperature controlled. So we, we monitored it every week to make sure it was still converting sugar into alcohol and it was slowly going dry. But we literally watched it and waited, and um, it had this long, long fermentation, which helps really preserve the, um, the fruit and it's it's a beautiful wine. We also chose this year not to use bentonite. We decided to do a cold stabilization and filter it after. And um, I think it really helped preserve the, the freshness and the fruit and the aromatics. Of the wine. I'm looking at the alcohol, 12-1. That's hard to believe. Is that true? That's, that's very true. We, uh, we picked it early. Um, and we wanted to make sure we retain that really crisp, crisp, 
flavor profile, uh, freshness to it, and I didn't want that higher alcohol to have an influence on the rosé. To I want at the end of the day, we want to create a really balanced, balanced rosé. It's lovely. It's a beautiful color. Love the patina, and it certainly is balanced. Now you said you purposely wanted to make a Cabernet Franc rosé, and there are a couple of great Cabernet Franc rosés. I know that Carrie uh, Shields de Brule Vineyard does a beautiful Cabernet Franc. What sparked your interest in Cabernet Franc for rosé? I mean, we, have you been to Loire Valley and drinking Chinon? And no, I've never been to Loire Valley, but Cab Franc was a more traditional rosé, and I wanted to stick to those more traditional styles. Um, I know there's rosés out there that are um, that are made differently, Grenache and whatnot. But for me, the rosé, the Cab Franc. I also had some access to some really great Cab Franc vineyards, and they were in cooler sites. And not every year did those sites fully, fully ripen. So I went to the grower and asked them. I said, "Would you be Would you be okay if I made a rosé out of this Cab Franc?" And he's like, "No one's ever asked me that." I said, "I think we should try it. Let's hang a little bit more fruit to it." And um, and that's what we did, and it worked out beautifully. So, well, congratulations and uh, um, well done. It's it's a beautiful rosé. I'm looking forward to getting uh, some in Seattle and <laughs> get it over there. So, let's talk about um, your Gonzaga roots and someone named Bruno. Uh, who is Father Bruno, and why is he so important uh, to Vapiano? When I lived in Florence, Italy in 1995, um, I went to Italy by myself. I didn't have any friends on the program. There was over 100 students that were enrolled in the program, and I did not know any of them. So I went by myself um, after finishing at Gonzaga in Spokane and um, arrived in Italy, and Bruno was the very first person I met on the, in the group. And Bruno welcomed me with open arms and was super excited to have, you know, start a new... Uh, a new year with new students and Bruno was just this glowing little Italian guy that was just his personality was just big and it was he was just you could just tell that you were going to like this guy and like to hang out with him so Bruno uh, we spent two weeks uh, traveling throughout Europe uh, through Germany and Austria and uh, France and eventually stopped or ended up in Florence to start the school year and so that first two years, first two weeks of the program, we met uh, Bruno, got to really know Bruno, and uh, he became a really a mentor. I mean, when I, I was born and raised in Walla Walla, um, had traveled with my family, but I'd never been to Europe before. So, you know, going to Europe and, and not, not knowing the language and not knowing my street smarts in Europe, Bruno really kind of mentored a lot of students, and Bruno and I became really close. And... He taught me my, my, I remember my first day of class, uh, we had a break and Bruno took me, he's like, let's go, let's go have a cup of coffee. So we went to, um, have coffee near the school in Florence. And sure enough, Bruno was showing me the right ratio to add grappa to my espresso. And, uh, I was like, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be a great, great year. And so Bruno also taught me, um, you know, even going to Rome, I mean, how to cross a street, the streets of Rome, when there are no lanes of like, how do you cross the street? And Bruno taught us a lot about those street smarts that we just didn't, didn't have. And uh, um, so that Bruno became very close and he became a, a mentor. And after being with him for a full year, um, came home and my sisters also attended the program two years later and they had Bruno as well and Bruno would take us on these great weekend trips to Cinque Terre or take us to France or taking on these road trips Thursday night we'd leave and get back to school Monday morning to start 
class. And uh, so Bruno was with us a lot, and we had a lot of time to talk. And uh, he's a Jesuit priest. And in Italy, he taught sculpture, he taught fresco, and um, he taught did some watercolor uh, classes as well. So Bruno was a very artistic, very, very artistic. Um, I did not grow up in an artistic environment, so it was really kind of fun to see Bruno and, and watch him paint and, and learn from it. Um, but when we came home uh, from Italy, uh, Bruno, I asked Bruno if he would marry my wife and I, Liz. And so in 1998, Bruno uh, flew over from Italy and did, you know did the service and he brought olive oil as his gift. And so he gave everybody in the church olive oil, and it was really really an awesome, awesome experience. Well, that's a great story. I love that. And so tell me quickly about this Italian program. Was this a, just regular school, or was it art school, or what were you doing in Italy to study? So Gonzaga has two campuses, one in Spokane, Washington, and one in Florence, Italy. And they've had this program for almost 45 years. And it's been a great, great opportunity for students who who um, live around the world but can spend their senior year living in Italy and submerged in the culture. So I was graduating with a business degree, and Gonzaga was, had a great, great business program where they would fly my business teachers over for six-week sessions from Spokane, and then I would have some of the same teachers I had from the year before. So from the business side of it, I was able to, to keep, uh, keep up on my business studies and also have this great experience with not only the teachers, but also very successful students who have graduated and started their own companies. They were also some of our mentors that came and studied or uh, were our teachers in our classes for six weeks. So I get to meet a lot of great successful uh, students um, from, uh, from, the, from the program. And my sister, when I graduated, my sisters also went to the program, and Bruno came over and, and uh, married them as well. So we've spent a lot of time in Walla Walla with us, and uh, it's great to have them. I love it. This is a great story. Well, hope you're enjoying this conversation with Justin Wiley of Vapiano in Walla Walla. And after this break, we're going to come back with a little more with Justin Wiley. And stick around. We'll also have the editors of SIP Magazine, where we have the pleasure of talking with Kristen Ackerman and Aaron James and chatting about the new Passport to SIP. That's PassportToSIP.com right here on Happy Hour Radio. The home of the great one. Mark Levin, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Want to know weekends? Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. We are in Walla Walla, and part of our In the Vineyard series, I have the pleasure of speaking with Justin Wiley, the founder winemaker for Va Piano. So, Justin, let's talk about the name Va Piano, and then tell me more about Father Bruno. Uh, Father Bruno, um, as I said before, was is just a mentor of mine. As I when I lived in Florence, Italy, um, through the Gonzaga and Florence program. About five years ago, my wife and I uh, traveled back to Italy to go visit Bruno and uh, visit some of the areas that I loved to visit when I was in Florence. And we took Bruno on a trip to uh, Venice. And I told Bruno on the train ride that I was one of the reasons I was in Italy was to be inspired by a name of a church or a street or a river or something that I could start a second label. Because at the time, Vapiano was just Vapiano. There wasn't a second label. And if I had some, um, some, if I wanted to declassify some, some grapes, I needed to have a place to do that. 
and I met Bruno on the train and as we were driving I was or on the train I was telling him the story and I said I'm you know can help me up come up with some cool names so we started chatting about it but he's like you know why don't, can you help me he's like I'd love to have some of my artwork in your tasting room in Walla Walla and expose some of my artwork to some of your customers I'm like oh that'd be great so then I got to thinking and you know there's a lot of artist series labels that are out there today and we thought wow what if we created some of Bruno's artwork created a label and my wife came in and said chimed in and said what about Bruno's blend and I thought so it all like worked really well within a one hour time frame on a train of this idea and uh, so we Bruno um, we got back Bruno started painting about 20 paintings and um, we went back to the States and about a month later, he rolled them up, these canvases in a tube and he mailed them to the winery and we rolled them out on the ground and we're like, check that one out, check this one out. This would be a great red wine label. This could be a future white wine label. And we really started bouncing off those ideas. And in the very beginning we created, every year we had a different painting. And as we would go, we did this for about seven years. and. Then the wine started getting too big and we started creating a couple thousand cases. And at that point, it became very difficult to always be changing the label. So we decided to pick one label, one for a red and one for a white. And uh, those are the wines we see in the market today in the Northwest. So the red wine label um, is actually on the wall. It's an original painting. And that is of a church in the Santa Maria Novella Church in the Santa Maria Piazza in Florence. And I happen to live in that piazza as well. So there was a story behind that painting. So Bruno created this this church. And that is the one we see today under the, um, the Bruno uh, Cabernet. And then for the Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Bruno loved to paint cypresses. So we have a painting of a uh, two cypresses, and it's kind of in a yellow tone, the green cypress, and that became our perfect label for a Sauvignon Blanc. So they're both under a Stoven uh, screw cap closure. They're fun wines. Uh, they're meant to be consumed, enjoy. They're priced uh, so that everybody can enjoy them, and um, that program is still growing today. That's really exciting. I love the fact that he, uh, well, you had a, an homage for his artwork, but then you were able to pick two paintings that had significance to uh, your your history in Italy. And uh, my understanding is the wines are tasty. I haven't had Bruno's Blend, but it's available in Seattle at most stores, correct? correct. Excellent. Well, let's talk about... Um, the recent vintages in Walla Walla. 2014 just came and passed, and we, we see 2011 and 2012 on the marketplace. Obviously, 11 was a cooler vintage throughout Washington State. 12 was sort of back to normal. Tell me about 2014. 2014 was a really, really exciting year. We had the ability to let our fruit hang and fully, fully physiological ripeness, which gave us a lot of flexibility in the cellar um, when we decided where the wines were going to go. What also was difficult was we had so many great lots, it was difficult to really fine-tune which lots we could maybe declassify or to put to a different program. All the wines in 14 were absolutely beautiful, and it's a double-edged sword. We have our work cut out to try to figure out what to do um, uh, 
with all the great wine and how we're going to declassify some of the lots. So we have, um, I think 14 will prove to be a, a beautiful, beautiful vintage. That's very exciting too, because I believe it was the largest uh, harvest for Washington grapes in our, our short, brief history in Washington. So that's really exciting. So tell me, um, I understand that you are heading off uh, and doing marketing with uh, with 7,000 cases. You do a lot of traveling. Uh, your brands are synonymous with quality Walla Walla wine. Um, let's talk about the perception of Walla Walla Valley outside of our beautiful state of Washington. What can you tell me? Well, I can tell you when I first started uh, selling wine, <clears throat> I would go to Washington, D.C. I'd go to New York. I'd go to Texas, California. And those earlier years, I always had to have in my in my wine bag a map of Washington State because I had to explain to them that we lived on the West Coast, not on the East Coast. And that was always this huge this educational component of selling wine. And today, um, when, you t- when, the, when a rep brings out a, a winemaker from Walla Walla, in most of these states, they're really excited to hear the story and hear about Walla Walla because Walla Walla has been a great buzz and... There's been some wonderful wines produced in Walla Walla. The producers are doing a great job. There's a lot of great personality in Walla Walla, and I think that has definitely marketed itself. And today, when you go out in the market, you don't need that map anymore. The, the, the buyers are excited to hear you, to hear it. They're excited to taste. Um, and I think it's a lot easier today. And that comes with a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of miles. It's a lot of tastings, a lot of exposure, a lot of pouring wine, get it in their mouth, let them try it. And today it's it's uh, definitely, Walla Walla is a great buzzword from New York to Florida to, to Southern California. So the New Yorkers actually know Washington not being which side of the Potomac anymore. And uh, you're heading out to uh, New York to celebrate with some Washington wine. Tell me what's happening out there. Uh, the Washington Wine Commission is, uh, this is the first year they're putting on an amazing event in Manhattan. And this is going to be an excellent event. They've spent a ton of time in researching and the marketing and bringing in as many great buyers from the Manhattan, New York area which are all coming to taste Washington wines. And there's a lot of uh, producers from Walla Walla to be heading over there. So I'll be there for next week for four days and pouring wine and uh, hopefully get some great feedback. Eating some great food, I imagine, too. That's really exciting. Well, tell me what some plans are here for uh, this lovely estate, uh, Vapiano State. What do you got planned here? I see you've got some construction projects going on. Every year we do a little project. Um, Last year, we um, extended the winery a little bit to create a little hospitality area. When we first built the facility, we never thought we would need an actual office. I mean, we intended to be open seven days or seven days of the year, have a little small mom-and-pop winery. And last year, we had to expand the winery, add office space. We expanded our crush pad. And uh, this year, we are creating a, a really cool little garden area in the middle of our vineyard that we can host some wine events and just have more people uh, have a garden and just have a place where people can come and enjoy and, and have a big big open area. That's pretty exciting. So you've got some plans for some entertainment, um, perhaps some, some annual events kind of thing for your wine club? Correct. And we, we're, we really love to do uh, have some food trucks come out and have a big picnic, but it'll also be fun to have a um, to do an outdoor uh, portable movie theater. We can do movie nights and have people bring out their family and friends. And well, Let's talk about, um, for all of our listeners, how can we find your wine, uh, your website, and if they're interested 
interested in getting involved with the wine club? Um, you know, we've been in the market in Seattle for the last 10 years. We've got some great distribution um, and a lot of the wine shops, local wine shops, grocery stores all have our, our wines present. But uh, for our state program, those are wines that uh, are 100% wine club. And uh, the only way to belong to those is actually call the winery and sign up and, and uh, enjoy the, these beautiful wines from our own estate. And so you, you do a regular shipment, a quarterly shipment or something? and We do a shipment twice a year, um, four bottles in the spring, four bottles in the, in the fall. Uh, so fun. Well, this is truly a working vineyard here, and that's why we are a working winery. Um, Justin Wiley, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, best of luck in New York and beyond. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, I want to thank Justin and Liz Wiley at Vapiano and Walla Walla for hosting us in the Vineyard Series. I uh, had a great time. It is Washington Wine Month, and uh, Walla Walla is a place so nice, of course, they named it twice. But if you are truly interested in Washington wine, if you want to learn more about uh, this great state's bounty of wine and cider, check out Taste Washington coming up at the end of the month. That's tastewashington.org. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 26th through the 29th, 200-plus wineries, great events, of course course, lots of lots of food. And if you can't make that, be sure to, well, visit my friend Jeffrey Dorgan, the sommelier at the Space Needle. Uh, they're blending together a wine education and happy hour upstairs at the Sky City. Uh, the Space Needle's wine director and sommelier of the year in 2009, that's Jeffrey Dorgan. Each class has some wine, some great food, uh, and of course, some education. So check out the special offer, uh, spaceneedle.com backslash Sky City. And uh, uh, Wine Academy for the March 23rd event. It's going to be great. Uh, You're up in the air. You've got some good food, some great wine, and of course, an education. Coming up on the show, I still have uh, the lovely ladies of Sip Magazine. Aaron James is the editor-in-chief and the publisher, Kristen Ackerman. Sip Magazine and uh, their other magazine, Cidercraft, are two of the great publications. Uh, It's your your guide to all that is Washington and the surrounding states uh, and our wine industry. They've got a new passport to Sip, which is really, really uh, a good deal. It's a great deal, by the way. $1,300 worth of savings all at PassportToSip.com. Check it out and remember to bring that when you're in tasting. You get a lot of great deals. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KBI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Had a great time with Justin Wiley of Vapiano and Walla Walla. I encourage you all to check them out. And uh, if you're heading to Walla Walla, you might want to have your passport in your hand, in your pocket, your purse, because uh, Kristen Ackerman, the publisher of SIP Magazine, and her editor-in-chief, Aaron James, are here in studio to talk about the SIP Passport to Tasting. Ladies, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Good morning. So this passport idea, um, it's a very novel idea. It's been around for a while. And uh, tell me the name of this particular passport and how it works. Yeah, so this is actually the second edition that we just um, came out with. It's called the Passport to Sip. And you basically get waived a wave tasting fee at over 170 wineries across the Pacific Northwest. So we have wineries in Washington, Oregon, British Columbia, and Idaho. 
That's great. Yeah, so basically, if you add all that up, 170 times five to ten bucks. Uh, that's and uh, twenty dollars. I mean, some of the t- some of the tasting fees of the wineries in Willamette Valley are twenty dollars. So I mean, literally in one day, you can you know get your money back with this, and it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's valid for one year. So. Uh, I wonder if you're swallowing your money or spitting your money. <laughs> For <Both>. your preference. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's tell the listeners how this actually works. Um, how is it? A, is it a card? Is it a booklet? An actual passport? Do they sign up? Is it mailed? Yep. So um, it is an actual passport, um, physical passport that you get. You can order it online at passport2sip.com and we mail it out to you and uh, validate it from that date. And it's good until February of 2016. So if you need it for just a weekend of wine tasting or, you know, Obviously, you can use it for the full year. So we have, um, like I said, over 170 wineries um, in Willamette Valley. We have 40 alone. I think in Woodenville, we have about 30 wineries that are signed up. We mail the passport to you, and you're ready to go tasting. All right. So what's the catch? How much does it cost? <laughs> it, it's $39.99. But today but we today. have a special offer just for Happy Hour Radio listeners. And if you go to PassportToSip.com, it's $39.99. If you put in the promo code happy you get a five dollars off the um the retail price so if you order right now operate is standing by yeah exactly <laughs> so it's passport to sip that's uh, passport number two s-i-p passport to sip.com and you can grab your passport to sip valid at 170 plus wineries um around our tr- uh, Quarter state, quattro state area, right? Yeah, tri-state. Well, we did include British Columbia because that, I mean, their state. Yep, yeah, yeah. Well, province, province, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we really wanted to do this because I, there's so many incredible wineries that I, people just don't know about. I mean, they just don't have a marketing budget to really get out there, and they can't afford to be pouring wine at some of these larger events. And so it gets people a little out of their comfort zone. I mean, clearly we have you know Chateau Saint Michel on the list, but some of these really small wineries. You know, get get some foot traffic, and and people get to explore and discover new wineries they probably wouldn't have even known about if it wasn't for this passport. And so. the passport to sip How long has this been around? When did you uh, invent or create the passport to sip? Uh, two years ago, right. and so um, this is the new edition. And we have a lot of the same wineries on there, but we have a lot of new, different wineries that you know, kind of up and coming um, little spots. So it's fantastic. So we can go to passport to sip to to find a listing of all the wineries yep. as well. Well, yep, listed by state and by region, and also province, within the passport. Right? Yeah, in province, <laughs> they're also listed in the passport by state and region as well. So yeah, so you basically take the passport, go into a winery. They um, each winery has a, own their own little section in there, and so they you you get the tasting, they sign off, and that's your one tasting for the year with that specific winery. So it's really fun. I mean, we have a lot of passport holders that have held on to um, you know the the previous passport to kind of look over and see where they've been the previous year and you know maybe where they want to explore this coming year so so it's not good for 10 years it's just good for one year (laughs) good for just one year okay the passport to sip it sounds fantastic it's available now online at passport number two passport to sip or passport to sip yep either or it's going to get you there so 107 wineries 170 wineries Uh, that sounds fantastic Um, I want to get one I want to check it out you should definitely I mean it's an over over $1,800 value for Thirty nine bucks, you really can't. But today, beat it. But, but today, today. thirty four ninety nine. That's right, exactly. And well, uh, 
Aaron James and Kristen Ackerman, uh, publishers and editor of SIP Magazine. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. I think everyone should get a, get on board for their wine travel destination uh, uh, libation imbibing with Passport to SIP. Com. That's it. All right. Well, we'll see you again. We'll see you out there on the wine trail, uh, looking, thumbing through our passport to find all the cool pages. Uh, you know, passports are fun because you get the nice stamp on it. Of yep. course, in this case, it's uh, you get a, no TSA, no luggage checks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just wine. All <laughs> right. Lots of it. Exactly. Well, we'll look forward to seeing that uh, out in Woodenville, Walla Walla, Chelan, uh, Idaho, and British Columbia and Oregon. So, hey, I uh, hope you enjoyed today's show. Coming up next week, I've got Chris Benziger, uh, one of the family members of Benziger Winery in Sonoma, and uh, local chef uh, Don Curtis, who is the chef of Volterra and Ballard, and uh, also their uh, restaurant in Kirkland. We're going to talk about, actually, of all things, happy hour. And finally, a day in the life of Mary Hill Winery. All next week, Saturday, March 14th, right here, 6 p.m. on Happy Hour Radio. Remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! <laughs>